welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we renew everything, give some old heroes new books, cross over two super teams, and hit the raceway. Stay tuned for all this and more! Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck yeah! Oh, you know that voice, because that is the the one and only Nick Shermooksness joining me, David Luzader, as as he does most as weeks. As conjoined twins, as, yes. Okay, the Joining the truth, is conjoined. The truth is out. We are conjoined. Nick and I are one singular being. He is uh, in Massachusetts. I am in Virginia. So it was really tricky to, to stretch our our connection that far. It, you know, it's not that difficult. We used a wormhole, you know, pretty basic stuff. It's, it sounded like you said a wormhole and not a wormhole. Oh, who knows what I truly said, David. Oh, geez. I feel Let like... history decide. I feel dirty already. Uh, Nick, now before we started recording, you revealed to me that you have not watched the Riverdale preview. This is for those for those for those unaware, Riverdale is the new show coming to CW based on Archie Comics. Uh, that is sort of updating it for the uh, you know the Riverdale feel for the modern CW crowd. Uh, it looks like I'm going to be watching every minute of that train wreck. Uh, won't be able to tear my eyes away. But Nick, why haven't you seen the preview yet? I've seen it accidentally 50 times. Weird that you can mis- accidentally see something like that well, 50 we times. Also, we also watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend around here, so it tends to pop up. Oh, it was popping up on, this, on the thing. On the actual um, CW channel. So turns out the CW... The C stands for CBS and the W stands for Warner Brothers because it's a partnered network between CBS and Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. But which is weird because I think CBS is a subsidiary of Warner Brothers, so it's whatever. Um, I I mean, like, I obviously I, I see the news articles pop up being like new Riverdale trailer, but I just didn't get around to it. It's like a show that I might watch the the, the pilot episode for, and not to say that whether it's good or not is not really the discussion it's just my usual viewing habits and what and by that i mean i don't watch anything it feels like i haven't seen any of the this seasons of cw shows i'm behind on a crap ton um so i just like i was like maybe i'll instead of like watching it and just sort of spoiling whatever like is going on eventually i'll catch it and i'll just be pleasantly surprised well well uh, as i will remind people cw has a deal with netflix where their shows will end up on on the the Netflix streaming service eight days after the season finale. So for those of you who just can't be bothered to catch up what's going on with Archie Andrews, uh, Jughead, Veronica, What's-Her-Face, uh, I know it's Lodge, people, uh, and the rest, uh, you can find it whenever that show ceases to air on the Netflix streaming service. 
They made a show based on the movie Frequency. Yeah, that's currently on right now. That's that's the really popular thing to do right now is to make TV shows based on um, movies uh, that aired either in the 80s or like at least a few years ago. I know that... um, was it uh, Lethal Weapon is also a TV show currently on? I don't think it lasted more. I think it actually got canceled. I think like, oh, or maybe I'm thinking of Rush Hour. Rush Hour was yeah. also a, a show that possibly got canceled. Look, what we're apparently saying... Apparently it will get a sequel. Anyway, I don't care about any of this stuff. Keep going. Um, I should say, I don't care about all... I, I, I don't they didn't care about Lethal Weapon per se. I care about the other stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what how we got on this this random tangent of of your denial of the beauty that is Riverdale and and all that it can be. Uh, but Nick, I, I you know we do have some news about the CW shows. And speaking of the news, that's a that's the perfect time to segue into our news segment. News bumper here. Uh, <laughs> might might just leave that in. Uh. At the top of the news docket this week, it is that all of the CW superhero shows have been renewed for another season. Well, uh, CW is on fire. Yeah, so this means, uh, for those who are trying to keep count of what's going on, Arrow will be going to its sixth season, Flash its fourth, Legends of Tomorrow its third, and Supergirl also its third I'm behind. I'm actually watching the first season of Supergirl right now. So it was the stuff that was on NBC, CBS. CBS. Uh, that's right. Yeah, CBS. Uh, but apparently, season two has been real good. Good for them. Um, no, I'm excited. I definitely have to catch up on all the shows. I'm, I didn't finish the first season of Legends of Tomorrow, didn't finish the first season of Supergirl. Uh, and, of course, I haven't been watching the current seasons. I'll be curious, though, at least with Arrow, which, frankly, the more I think about it, the more I realize that seasons three, four, and... Uh, well, th- three and four, at least, were just complete train wrecks. Hey, hey. Um, uh, parts of three weren't bad. Parts of three and parts of four weren't bad, but they were oasises in a sea <sighs> of just crap. I'm not no ready. because I... I'm not ready to I, admit that yet. I'm not usually that harsh. You know, I, I think... I mean... I think fundamentally, most of these TW shows are "quote unquote" bad. Hey, whoa, but they whoa, are whoa! A great kind of bad that ultimately is no. redeemable. Arrow, or not Arrow? Flash has been legitimately good. Sometimes. Oh, whoa! This is weird. By the way, Teddy Sears is uh, coming back. As uh, great, as I the... can't wait for them to rehash old villains and not know what to do. Well, no, no, he's, I don't think he's coming back as Zoom. He's coming back as Black Flash, which. Uh, Yes, that is a character. And apparently, uh, Eobard Thawne is still bouncing around in uh, in Legends. Yes, he is. Um, I mean, I've been somewhat keeping track of some of the plot points over the current seasons, so I'm, I can't judge their overall quality or execution. I'm just saying, look, I mean, let's be honest. Like, don't get me wrong, I enjoy these shows, but there were plenty of episodes of Arrow, and even The Flash, maybe to a lesser extent than Arrow, where I was still sitting there rolling my eyes and being like, this is pretty trite. Cli-. Not, not cliche is probably the I, wrong know, word, though. I would love to, like, sit here and be offended by the things that you're saying, but then I remember that you watch Quantico. I started watching Quantico. I haven't watched past like okay. the first three, four episodes. That's because you don't finish anything. But that is a separate issue that we're not here to get into. 
Oh god, I have such a sad life. But I just want to say that as harsh as I'm being, I do enjoy the shows, and I think that ultimately... Some of most of my critiques come down to the writing, not necessarily the execution. I think all of the cast, I love just how much the casts have like bought into the universe, bought into the storytelling, mm-hmm. and it's just how ridiculous things can be. And and that makes a, a world of difference. And I think that's what ultimately makes the shows really successful. And when the writing's on point, it is on point. Mm-hmm. But when it's not, it's just dribble. Hey, I, um, I will I will say that uh, that Jeff Johns writing an episode of Arrow did did begin to patch my relationship with Jeff Johns's writing because he had written I, I think he was in season it may have been season one right, or season two but it was one of the strongest episodes to date. Uh, do, do you have anything else you were going to say about these shows or were you getting ready to move on to our next news story? Because I have another anecdote for you if you're. Um, you can tell me the anecdote, so, but I'm done. I'm done with my words. Okay. I've produced geez, enough. Jeez, man. Yeah. Finally. Uh, no. So I was, uh, I was at dinner tonight with a buddy of mine, uh, who played final <laughs> fantasy 15 and he got like, he bought like the special edition that had like the figure of Noctis. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. He like spent big money on it. Uh, and he asked me, you know, if I, if I'd beaten the game and what I thought, and I, you know, I told him, I, I said that up up through the Altitia stuff, I really liked it, and I liked what happened after Altitia, but it was, you know, railroaded, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then he said to me that it was one of the worst games he's ever played. Wow. Uh, and he, like, legitimately despised it, and, and uh, it was just really interesting because I thought, like, you put so much money into this and, like, so much excitement that I thought you were going to, like you know like maybe your expectations were going to crash a little bit but you would still enjoy elements of it and he just he didn't like any of it that's so what we're so first off i think when you spend 200 something dollars on a game and depending i'm not sure exactly what his expectations were going into it but and i don't know if he just wasn't following like any of the the various games no, he said, and he stuff said that came out he said that he watched like the uh the, the demos and stuff and was like oh no this isn't going to be a good game but he still spent two hundred something. But he dollars still on spent it. all that money on it. Well, that's different. If he knew it wasn't going to be a good game and then spent two hundred dollars on it, that's on him. No offense to that dude, but I mean, I, I've seen, like, I've read. Let's just get into Final Fantasy fifteen for a moment. I've, like, I, I go on the Reddit well, yeah. page quite frequently, we'll go so ahead I get a we'll, variety we'll, of opinions. We'll derail this. Yeah, let's go. Okay, so I mean, I, I, I visit the Reddit page for Final Fantasy fifteen quite frequently, even now. Um, and I mean, I've definitely seen a wide range of opinions. I definitely think, and I'll agree with the director of the game on this, that there are certainly some people that are trying to paint the game as like irredeemably bad, and I don't think that's true. I uh-huh. think there's a lot of redeemable elements about it, but I do think it has some key pain points as far as the way that the story was executed. The story itself was fine as far as the story that you think they were trying to tell, but the way that it was the way that like cut scenes and the way that it was spread out just did not work, especially when you basically spent six to eight chapters just sort of having fun and doing absolutely seemingly nothing of consequence with occasional check-ins on the story. And then you go full blast from, from Altitia onto the end game. But at the same time, like you're getting payoff to things that were never properly set up. So mm-hmm. in that case, I can totally understand people being disappointed. Um, but the gameplay wise, with the exception of maybe like 
and this maybe was a personal preference style. I've never been keen on magic user characters um, or using magic in general in battle, except to like really pound enemies. So I didn't necessarily utilize magic all that much, but that, but a lot of people kind of criticized the way that magic was utilized as basically magic grenades. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure how else you maybe would have been able to do it, but, but combat wise, I thought it was overall very entertaining. It was, it had a good, for me, it had a good replay value, even if sometimes the camera got in the by sometimes, I mean, almost all the time, especially in tight spaces when the camera would get in the way. See, it, but, it, for me, it was, it was really bad. And like when you would get into a slightly forested area, Mm-hmm. and uh yeah that that's where the camera had its its bigger issues and, and i'm hearing all that you're saying here and I, I definitely agree with you uh there that there are a lot of very strong elements and stuff that you and i really both enjoy and stuff that will make me return to this game when they release uh dlc and they release you know some of these story patches they're talking about uh but it's just really disappointing for all for all this time to go by and it's like you guys couldn't nail down a really solid story in the 15 years of production that were going on all right all right 10 years and the game was really only in production for three to four years okay well okay still there's there's games that are that have amazing stories that are in production for for less time than that uh, which is fair which it, is fair so like i'm like, you have to realize i even had less of an issue with the story than most people uh mm. i nothing really really bothered me i get people's complaints about it but i don't you know, there's man. What are you doing over there? You know what uh, it is. You're making a lot of noises tonight. Uh, My bad. Like, there's nothing in there that made me hate it, and mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know what exactly I'm trying to um to to say at this point. But I guess, I guess it's like uh, as I said, you know, you had a, f- a few years, it's like, and you didn't nail anything down. It just feels like the story was became sort of an afterthought where it's like they had a, a strong setup the setup for the game is really good the end of that first chapter is really good and then as you said like well okay we don't want to close off this world yet so let's people have people explore that and yeah that's fine and i was like well i guess we got to end this thing uh so let's just i mean like, shit, let's just like let's just slap some stuff together and, and get it going uh and just some real missed opportunities in there i wish there were stronger characters outside of the main uh, four. Mm-hmm. I think there are some that had potential to be really strong. The villain was okay. I didn't hate the villain. Uh, not necessarily the most memorable guy out there, though. Uh, but really, I-, I can't think of too many of the side characters for that one mercenary woman that were really, yeah that were really introduced to that had any sort of strong uh, impact on me. Not even Iris. Uh. Yeah, I guess she's the other character name that I really know, but she was just she just felt very typical Final Fantasy female. Yeah, that's fair, and I think character. A, a big thing a big thing of it is that they wanted you to have this explorable open world, and frankly, they they put too much resource into repetitive fetch quests that, well, weirdly, I had a lot of fun doing despite being repetitive. Like I would have accepted a shorter post-game content like non-story based content like if like like ultimately you could bump you could rush through the game in like under 12 hours probably for the story mm-hmm. you know but supposedly you could get up to like 200 hours of running around i would have been okay if they had knocked like 100 hours off of that and put those resources into just 
making the story more impactful because what you end up doing is that you have access to all these things in the beginning which is fun but then the sto- but the story doesn't justify it and when it comes to final fantasy the sto- the story is probably one of the biggest things about the game um so it's like you have you know quote unquote spoil not spoilers you know like you have the fall of, of insomnia you have the death of his father you have all this you know niflheim invading the land but when you're out exploring, like besides some people kind of talking about being nervous and stuff, it doesn't feel conquered except for besides the ships flying by and the characters, their emotional states are betrayed by the fact that they're off being like, yeah, I'll catch frogs for you. Yeah, I'll find these dog tags for you. You know, instead of just being like, holy shit, my dad just died. My yeah. empire is falling and it's all on yeah. me. Like the, that, that should have been a pervasive feeling that I think like they hoped would, was in there or maybe they thought it was in there. But as far as my playthrough goes, I didn't feel like until things really hit Altisha that anything that had it, um, it didn't have any... it, it didn't it didn't hit home until right. then. Nothing had a sense um, of urgency before that point. It, exactly. And I think if they had reduced the number of stupid hunts and fetch quests and, well, and maybe put in more side content that see, um, I connected to the overall mythology or the world i'm sorry but catching the frogs did nothing uh, i'm not even upset about that i think that, that that stuff is still fine if but that that's kind of like as you're saying all the side quests that there were if there was just more like if that stuff kind of came in between the beats like the story for a long time sort of came in between the side quests when you decided okay i'm not going to do any side quests anymore i'll go do the story is when the story would show up when really it should have been like okay well, I have a, I have a break from the story. I'm gonna go do some side quests. You know, it there's really no pressure to be pursuing the story at all in the beginning. That's a perfect point. As uh, I think that really hits it on the head. Well, we've been talking about this for quite some time, so why don't we move on to our next comic book news story uh, for the evening? And that is that Matt Ryan, uh, the man who played Constantine, I'm trying to change my pronunciation here, uh, on. NBC, that one I'm, I'm correct on, uh, he will be returning to play the character again in animated format on the CW Seed. Uh, CW Seed is currently also the home of Vixen, or uh, no, I think they're still doing more Vixen stuff. They are. Uh, and they announced that they will be doing five or six 10-minute episodes uh, that are premiering in the 2017-2018 season on CW Seed of of Constantine. Not, Which is pretty. I mean, Matt Ryan's fine. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying he's a driving force per se, but he's he's living a, a Constantine life after the the TV show. I believe he also voiced him in the upcoming Justice League Dark animated movie. Yeah, is that is that stupid thing out yet? I'm. This is not the time to Google, but I'm going to Google. Uh, Nick's going to Google it right now, folks. As you can hear on the tappity tap tap of the keyboard. February seventh. February seventh. All right, so not too far away. Uh, yeah, th- good. I- I'm glad that he is getting uh, a a return to this character. And I was I was talking to someone or heard someone talking about this, and I thought it was very interesting. This age we're in now of superhero uh, TV shows and movies, where he, actors actors are becoming mainstays. Uh, it, it used to be that, okay, well, Michael Keaton's not going to play Batman anymore. Uh, what's George Clooney doing? Let's get George Clooney in the cowl. And people just kind of accepted it and nodded and moved on. And right now we're at this point where 
there hasn't been much overturn. There's been a little bit, you know, Don Cheadle replacing Terrence Howard in the Iron Man movies as Rhodey. Uh, There's been a little bit of turnover, but for the most part, you know, you've had Robert Downey Jr. in this role since, uh, what is it, 2008? So 10 years he's been playing Tony Stark. You've had uh, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine for even longer. Mm -hmm. It's... You know, these actors are in these roles for a very, very long time. And even even a guy like Constantine, like they're they're doing better at finding people who really fit these roles. Uh, so even when he's only on air for eight episodes, people are still clamoring for ways to get him back in that role somehow. Uh, yeah, no, that's a fine point. It's really cool. I'm excited. I wish it was live action. I know that they kind of said oh, we're not really going to have him on the live action stuff too much, but I, you know, hoping, I'm hoping with the, the CW seed with them kind of owning it in that way will open up the door for more live action. I think Vixen or a version of Vixen has been on legends of tomorrow as well. Yeah. The same actress who was voicing the character in the cartoon and, but also played her live action in an episode or two of last season of arrow mm-hmm. has not returned yet. Apparently in Legends, they're featuring one of her ancestors right. in the role of Vixen. Very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. So just because, you know, we've a little time, time with that little Final Fantasy 15 detour, uh, I'll just do some quick hits uh, as far as some newly announced Marvel comics. Um, we had mentioned last show that Bendis um, was going to be stepping away from the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, and they've already revealed his replacements. It'll be Gary Dugan, who's been writing Deadpool and Uncanny Avengers, and drawn by Aaron Cooter, who you can most recently find on Death of X, but he also had an extended run on Action Comics with Greg Pak over at the Distinguished Competition DC. Um, some things to note about the new Guardians of the Galaxy team's approach is that Drax will be giving up destroying, where he's going to be seeking the role of a pacifist and obviously struggle withing it, str- struggling with it, um group will be baby group to cash in on the movie um and the book is called all new guardians of the galaxy except the team is the same team we've been seeing for for several years for a while now so it's hardly all new though i imagine sometime over the course of the book we will be seeing some new cast members uh all i can say is one uh, I am a big fan of Aaron Cooter, so I'm happy to see that artistic talent in the book. Though, I, though Bendis did work with some great artistic talent on Guardians Galaxy, I wasn't feeling the writing. Gary Dugan's a solid writer. Like I, I call him, I call him a reliable writer. Where it's like he's not necessarily always lighting my world on fire, but you generally get a a well thought out, well crafted issue, even if it's not bombastic in a way. Um, I also appreciate that they're not just because the movie's coming out going back to his movie costume. They're actually keeping with the Chris Anka design costume that just is about to show up in the, the Star Lord solo book. So fingers crossed that the book is ultimately good. I will be checking it out. Uh, ben Riley, the uh, off maligned spider clone from the 90s, is returning in a new Scarlet Spider book. Uh, spoilers for those um, that have. Been, or have not been reading the clone conspiracy uh, in the Spider-Man books, but it turns out that the character we all think is the Jackal has actually been a resurrected Ben Riley, who's going about resurrecting everyone and putting an end to death itself. I'm actually a couple issues behind you know, on the event. You know, every time I hear anybody talk about the Jackal, I think of uh, the Family Guy, where this new family, Lois goes away, so this new family moves into the house while the others are there, and uh, Stewie is playing Pictionary 
uh, with one of them, and he's drawing something in the in the the, the new man of the house. It's going jackal, jackal, jackal. Is it a jackal? Is it a jackal? Is it a jackal? It's a jackal, jackal, jackal. And then Stewie gets all mad when the time's over. If it wasn't a jackal the first bloody time, it's not gonna be a jackal the next fifty. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's what jackal reminds me of. I'm excited for Ben Riley to be back. Um, well, not so fast, David. I mean, I will say that. Um, I mean, technically, we grew up in the in the the in the nineties when Ben Riley was the Spider-Man, but I don't think either of us were really into the comics until um, maybe a year or two after he died. Um, but it's it's cool having him back. It seems like they're going with a slightly different approach. Where in the comics, he was basically another Peter Parker with blonde hair, you know, with a slightly different backstory because he was on the run for part most of his adult life. Um, but ultimately a really good guy. They seem to be playing up the elements that, I mean, as the jackal in the clone conspiracy, he obviously has some nefarious inclinations and how returning as the Scarlet Spider, he's going to have to be competing with sort of his light side and his dark side, which is interesting. The only thing is, is that we kind of got that with the previous Scarlet Spider, Kane, Mm-hmm. Who was also a clone of Peter Parker, who was kind of who kind of went on a murderous rampage in his early days, and has slowly sort of uh, seen the light, but struggles with his own. You know what? No, that's the Scarlet Spider I'm thinking of. That's the one I want back. You want Kane back? Yeah. So Kane will be featured in this book prominently, so he's not going anywhere. So it'll be interesting. Basically, it's just interesting that Ben Riley is back. It's interesting how they've reintroduced him as the Jackal. Maybe once I catch up on Clone Conspiracy, I can give you. Um, a better picture of sort of where he's probably going to be heading in this book. I will say that though I'm not a big fan of Mark Bagley, he obviously is a pretty story creator uh, and a lot of people obviously love his style. Um, So it's good that they have someone like him on art. He's very reliable. Peter David is obviously, uh, I mean, I guess they're both really living legends in the industry. Peter David has written a lot of great comic books that I've also enjoyed. Um, So if anyone can do Ben Riley justice, is most likely Peter David. So I'll at least keep an eye on the book, whether or not I just go, go like gunning for it remains to be seen until probably clone conspiracy wraps up. And last but not least is that um, one of the reasons Bendis is giving up Guardians of the Galaxy is so that he, uh, so that David Marquez, uh, the artist that's on Civil War II and also on his Invincible Iron Man run, are going to be launching the new Defenders which will be featuring the Netflix uh, street-level heroes, Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones, what this means for their solo books, uh, or I think more importantly what this means for the Power Man and Iron Fist team-up book um, remains to be seen. Uh, I love David Marquez's art. Bendis has kind of left me cold for a while, so this is definitely a book that I don't think I'm going to run out and and grab the second it comes out, Mm -hmm. but I'll at least be keeping my eye on it because who can't get enough of Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones? Um, Though at the same time, I would say that Street Level is usually where Bendis excels. He had a great run on Daredevil back in the day, so maybe this is a return to form for Bendis. Remains to be seen. That's all I got. All right, very cool. And that, I think, wraps it up uh, for some Marvel news. Of course, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we did not get to, uh, like how the allegedly Wonder Woman's villain is going to be Ares. Uh, there was a new picture from the Justice League set. Uh, lots of other stuff. The Attack on Titan manga editor was arrested for murder is a headline that I'm seeing, the kind of stuff we usually report on. Uh, but, you know, you can find... Uh, if you think there's a story that we missed, actually, why don't you go ahead and shoot us an email, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com, 
uh, and tell us why you think we should have talked about it, and we will mention it because we love to hear what you want to know. Well, now is the time that we're going to talk about some books that came out this week as we dive into the poll list. Poll list. All right, I don't even know if I have to put in a uh, a bumper there, Nick. That was that was lovely. Thank you You're for. Uh, I'm just for trying to keep with the us. production values of the show up. Well, that's what people come here for. It's the production values. And uh, and speaking of production values, we're gonna shake things up a little bit this week. Normally, we have Nick go first, and I let him ramble on for a while. Uh, but instead, I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on. I'm gonna hop on pop. Uh, no, no, I'm gonna hop on comic books. Uh, first thing, come on, man. It's uh, it's it's Doctor Seuss. Don't don't get weirded out here, man. Don't be cool. Be cool, Nick. Be cool. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Be cool. All right, what, what do we got, David? What do we right. got? What are you gonna so, talk about? So so this week, I'm gonna talk about a little book I read called Motor Crush. Uh, I did not get to talk about the first issue of Motor Crush on the show. Maybe I guess you did just talk to me about. It. I thought you did discuss it on the show. No, no. I know you kept me. Oh, maybe you just read, I think wrote out all the notes, right, and then never got to. I it. think I meant to, and it was it was one of the weeks that we missed. Uh, anyway, Motor Crush is the newest book from the uh, the the Batwoman team. Not Batwoman, Batgirl, is what I meant to say. Who I'm trying to look up their names. I know uh, Babs. Brendan Fletcher, Babs Tar, and Cameron Stewart. Yes, yes, uh, and it is. And I'm a, not sure who colored it, unless it was Babstar that also colored. And it is uh, in this book. Uh, let's see, coloring is done by Heather Danforth and production assistant. So good job, Heather Danforth. Um. So I'm just gonna go ahead. I'm gonna read the info pop thing here at the beginning of the issue. I think that'll kind of set up where we are. Welcome to beautiful Nova Honda, the racing capital of the world, home of the prestigious World Grand Prix, the illegal street race, the Cannonball, and the racer caught between both of them, Domino Swift. Domino is one of the best racers on the circuit, working at her dad's shop and training by day, competing in the Cannonball by night, all in hopes of winning the WGP Cup. But she has a career-ending secret. She needs small doses of motor crush, an illegal machine narcotic, to survive. And her stash just got jacked. After promising her father she'd be careful, after watching her thief, after watching her thief try to steal from the Cannonball and get killed by way of forced ingestion of the entire vial of Crush, after letting her need for Crush lead her to gamble on her own insane heist, Domino finds herself alone, desperate, and dying. With only a few vials of Crush left, her bike destroyed, her inhaler busted, and the memory of a horrible death by Crush, she closes her eyes and downs the entire vial. So that's what happened in the first issue. In this issue, uh, we find out that Domino, or Dom as she is called, uh, did not die. So the main character of the book didn't die at the end of the first issue. Uh, instead, this the ingesting this drug directly seems to have affected her brain chemistry in some way that maybe gave her psychic powers. Uh, as she starts having dreams slash visions of her ex-girlfriend Lola... Um, who, of course, was the best mechanic that has ever been. Uh, and her bike got wrecked last issue as she was trying to pull off her heist to win back her crush. Uh, so she goes to Lola to try and, and beg her to work for her again, to make a new bike for her. 
uh, and 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 it turns out that Lola is also in some some trouble with businesses and mobsters and etc. What have you? So that's kind of the groundwork that we are starting off with in this issue. Uh, I, if now those who probably read last issue were probably uh, people really liked it. It did. It was a lot of exposition. It set up a whole lot of stuff. Uh, and I mean, like it, it, they they really crammed a lot into that book. Uh, kind of to bursting and you know we're kind of living in a world of never-ending number ones where you want to get someone to pick up that number one and then you got to find a way to hook them so they don't just drop it for the next number one next week so they they really gave you everything including a giant twist ending at the end of number you know twist cliffhanger at the end of issue one uh which i don't think fully was deserved um and i don't think fully has paid off yet in any sort of satisfying way. We don't know how she survived. Yeah, that's totally fine. She might be having visions after she ingested it. Oh, okay. So we're going cliche. It maybe gave her weird powers. And like to kind of further that, uh, we find out in this issue that this man that she calls her dad, I don't remember actually in the first issue, I, if it got mentioned, but it's not actually her real dad. She doesn't know where she came from after watching someone else ingest this stuff she didn't die even though it made their body explode literally uh so something is up with the dom but instead of exploring that in any sort of meaningful way we are spending time a, a lot with lola who is an okay character uh but their relationship is incredibly stereotypical uh lola i need you back oh dom is all you think about racing this is why our relationship didn't work. What kind of trouble are you in? Like, it feels very 1980s uh, action film. And maybe that really appeals to people. That's super great if it does. I will also like a little bit more than stereotypes in in my comic books. Uh, there's even, like, some super stereotypical moments of, like, at the end, Lola shows up with a new bike. And it's like, I was working on this before we broke up. Oh, but I'm not going to stay with you. You get the bike and not me. And uh, like the writing of the relationship is not very strong is what I'm kind of getting at here with my weird mm. double talk. Uh, it could be a, a lot stronger. I don't get anything super meaningful that I don't get out of other stuff on a very surface level. Um, and uh, and there's like there's the scene... Uh, near the end when you know they've kind of gotten away from trouble and uh, Dom makes her some tea and it's like tea with honey and Lola's like oh just the way I like it you remembered yeah you you remembered the world's simplest drink order like it would be much less impressive it would just like it'd be only slightly less impressive if it was like I got you water with ice it was it's <laughs> It's not that hard to remember that you like your tea with honey and like it doesn't feel like their breakup was that long ago. Uh, so for a, a book that gave a very exciting premise, there was stuff that I really liked. The cannonball stuff was super interesting. This kind of Mad Max street race on motorbikes. I like worlds that are entirely centered around one sport that in the real world is just kind of like, oh, that's cool. Like motorcycle racing. Yeah, that's cool. People like that. This is a world that's obsessed with it. That's all anybody does. I love that kind of stuff. That's hilarious to me. Uh, you know, they're leaning 
they're leaning into the wrong part of the 1980s stuff where they kind of gave me like death race mad max last time yeah that's super cool super awesome they're leaning into the other stereotypes uh like the, the romance of those action movies that were never their strong points uh and aren't super compelling here as well the art uh is uh i mean which one of these three does the art? it's a uh, babstar right yeah babstar does the art uh if, if you're into Babstar art, man, this is Babstar art all over the place. Not not as many cool uh, characters and designs, I would say, that we had in the first issue. So that's an, another little level of, of some disappointment. But it's still very high-quality art. Uh, you're, you're getting good work here, you know, out of, out of, this, out of this artist. So I would say... It's fine. If you're reading the book, continue to read it. If you are not yet on the book, but you've maybe heard some good rumblings about it, maybe wait to hear how things play out in the first arc entirely. Or just uh, flip through issue number one while you're at your local comic book store. But of course, buy other things while you're there, guys. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Uh, so all in all, Motor Crush had a, had that big had a big start and you know is maybe maybe plateauing or dipping down a little too soon for my tastes we'll see how the rest of this first arc plays out though in the meantime nick what do you what do you got to say um so i actually don't remember because when i picked up books i just kind of picked stuff up and it may have been from last week i could probably check that but i'm gonna check it right now um but i'm actually going to talk about Nova. Did I talk about the first issue of Nova? I don't know if you show? did. Nova 2 was last week, but hey, Nova 2 from my understanding was a great book, so you can go ahead and talk about it to your heart's content because I want to talk about I, every, mm-hmm. I hate everything about that sentence because that's probably one of the greatest lines in comics. Uh, are you talking about that page you showed me? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, Nova number 2 by writers Jeff Loveness and Ramon Perez, also drawn by said Perez, and colored by Ian Herring, and lettered by comic craft Albert Duchesne, I think is how you pronounce it. Anyway, uh, it is continuing the story of old Nova, Rich Ryder, and new Nova, Sam Alexander, as Rich tries to readjust to life on Earth and being alive again, and Maybe. Sam now gets to deal with being now gets to be, or now does not have to be the only Nova. Um, we basically from from last issue something was going on with Rich where he was being attacked by something that seemed like it came out of the Cancerverse, um, and Sam ends up picking up the Nova signal and goes to help him, um, which amounts to their reunion and the the, the line that that uh, david was hold on let me just get to the page um there was a funny scene where after they reconnect um sam brings no uh rich to talk with his champions teammates including the amadeus cho miss marvel spider-man uh and all of that and um amadeus does a uh, a scan on him to figure it out, like if he's uh, like a robot or a clone or a scroll or something like that. And I'm just basically like, nope, you're you're you, so try not to die again. <laughs> um, and this is, of course, is a, a moment where I mean, especially when you think of the current champions team, the new Miss Marvel, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, um, uh, Teen Time Display Cyclops, 
uh, Viv Vision, uh, totally, uh, totally awesome Hulk. You know, these are obviously a lot of the new legacy characters that have sprouted up and are kind of a focal point of the current vision of the Marvel Universe. And here is Rich, who hasn't been around since uh, the Thanos Imperative. I mean, besides the flashback story and Bennis' Guardians, he hasn't been seen since the end of the Thanos Imperative, which, hold on. Thanos Imperative came out in 2010. So we haven't seen him for going uh, on seven it. years. Yeah. Um, anyway, he catches up. And there was a a great line. So Miss Marvel and Spider-Man come in, and they, she's like, the original Nova, I've read so much about you on the forums. Your fans are intense, which is true. If you ever go into a forum where so like there, like, uh, an issue of Sam Alexander's solo book came out, they were always bitching about how the fact it wasn't Rich Ryder. Um, and so Nova was like, you called back to me? He said, maybe, but this is Miss Marvel and Spider-Man. And he's like, you're Miss Marvel? Yep. What happened to Carol? You mean Captain Marvel? He's dead. She's no. not. And you're Spider-Man? Yeah. yeah. Is he dead too? No. Cyclops is. Cyclops? Teen Cyclops shows up, says, hi. This is what David was referring to. My adult self went crazy and died. I'm from the past and stuck in this time. And Rich replies, I hate everything about that sentence. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's really, it, it really encapsulates just how ridiculous comic books are and yet you and i can read it and besides finding it humorous it's like we're in on the joke like Mm -hmm. we get it it's ridiculous and yet we still find this compelling and dramatic in a way when they do pull people's teen selves ripped from the past and force them to live in the present um we're just like cool another day in the marvel universe um so i just want to say that uh, i don't know who's necessarily doing the heavy lifting on the writing um if like they're both just tackling plots and then jeff loveness is handling the dialogue or what have you but i'm just going to credit them both the writing on this book is excellent uh and whereas in the first issue i felt like uh it felt kind of padded a bit like they maybe could have tackled a bit more in it because uh, i got to i remember getting to the end of the first show and being like oh that's it i just felt like hey we're back like we just got our foot in the door a little bit this felt a bit more meaty uh, I actually got to the end of the issue, and I was like, ah, oh, this actually took a little bit longer than I thought. Um, but long story short, uh, Sam and Rich reconnect. Sam invites Rich over to his house. And this all eventually leads to them um, making it to nowhere, the celestial head uh, that you see in Guardians of the, the, the film Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and they visit Cosmo, the, uh, the space dog, who is a fantastic character. You are, um, you are best Nova. You, yeah. you are a good Nova um, too. You, you good Nova too. Um, and then they also hit up the, the Nowhere Bar, which ends up being besieged by um, uh, three characters that have chips on their shoulders with at least one of the Novas. Um, and I basically just kind of went through the issue, so I apologize about that. It's still worth a read. Um, the art by Ramon Perez. I mean, this is a guy that I've been following since his webcomics days, and I always liked him there. And he's only, he's definitely an artist that, like, he always has a signature style, but you can see kind of in a way that, like, Stuart Amonin does. Like, he tweaks his style depending on the book that he's, that he's, uh, drawing. And just, I'm, I'm not, like, a big Nova guy. So the fact that, like, I'm kind of getting, I, I've read some of, I never really read any, except maybe the very first appearance which I caught on Marvel Unlimited with Rich Ryder. Um, I've read a handful of issues from Sam Alexander's first volume. Um, so I'm familiar with both characters. I understand their positions in the Marvel Universe, but they were never it characters for me. 
Um, but within two issues, I'm definitely gravitating towards what's going on. And I think what works for me, maybe not necessarily for new fans, is that the writers aren't shying away from quote-unquote Reese like things that have been going on since like the annihilation event like they bring up annihilation clearly something about rich rider's resurrection has to do with the cancer verse because they're being attacked by the cancer verse monsters um you know they go to nowhere they talk to cosmo um it's just it's really well crafted and really well thought out uh and really well written so yeah, uh, Nova number two was a delightful read on this Wednesday of Wednesdays. Super, super rad. It's made me, seeing all the stuff about it, it's made me want to dive into that book. So uh, I, I just might. Maybe uh, well, maybe I'll wait until it pops up on Marvel Unlimited, which is much more likely. But I'm looking forward to reading it whenever I can. And now, the book that we both read this week was a book that I have professed excitement for, and that is Justice League and the Power Rangers, or Justice League slash Power Rangers. Uh, just the sort of the quick plot of it. Well, it opens with Angel Grove being destroyed, and then it pops up a, a day or so before that happened uh the power rangers being called to the command center are told that alpha 5 has disappeared so they go to the area surrounding the command center to find him zach finds him but it turns out it's a replica bomb when he returns to the command center it goes off and lord zed shows up in an attempt to save you know everything zach teleports away with lords that attached to him and drops him in the teleport stream and then pops out into the dc comics universe uh the rest of the power rangers follow suit to save their friend but they can't leave quite yet uh because number one lord zed is in this world and that's that's their bad and number two uh there's a guy just like a bat fighting them so they have to deal with that one of Zed's monsters. Yeah, let's uh, it's, it's not even get into that quite yet. Actually, let's get into that. Let's talk about this book. Uh, so I, I will just go ahead and say, as excited I was as I was about this book, I'm not super jazzed about this issue, but that's also because it's entirely a setup issue. And my biggest problem with it, uh, well, I'll say one, the dialogue is fairly bland at this point. Uh, I think they missed some points for some jokes, especially later on with the Flash uh, showing up. There could have been a few more of those, which would have added some much-needed levity to this book. But also, everything about this is so very stereotypical of a set-up crossover event. In fact, so much of this mirrors uh, Batman and the Mighty Morphin... Not Morphin, just Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... Uh, where here are these people who are on our planet accidentally and there's a way for them to get back but wait we can't go because uh, because our villain is here and we have to make sure that nothing that he doesn't do anything bad on this planet so I'm hoping stuff picks up after this but Nick what did what did you think of this issue it's I don't normally get into two franchise crossovers kind of thing especially when they're from like completely different publishing arms or companies um i mean i had a childhood affinity for power rangers um oh, let's face it, i have an adult affinity for power rangers um and of this course is, this um, is a safe place 
I've never, I've never, I, I mean, I, to be honest, like I haven't really kept up with, I, I remember when like I discovered Netflix and I discovered that Power Rangers was on Netflix. I attempted to start rewatching the original series and I did. Um, for funsies and I didn't get very far. Not to say that I was like, I scoffed at it. I was like, this is bad, but I just stopped like everything else I start. Um, and obviously I like the Justice League. Um, I'll agree that the setup is pretty cliche. Um, and I think my... My biggest complaint, although like a part of me truly did enjoy this issue, uh, I actually enjoy Tom Taylor. Please tell me it's Tom Taylor. Uh, yep, Tom Taylor. Okay, Tom Taylor. Tom Taylor, if you don't know, uh, did uh, the majority of the work on the Injustice comics based on the DC video game, uh, fighting game. And I read a lot of those, and I, I really enjoyed them. I know he's doing all-new Wolverine uh, for Marvel. Um, so he, he kind of tackles a lot of interesting books. Um, so I think he was ultimately a good fit for this just because he kind of does the off kilter stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my biggest issue is with the art simply because the art, while it does have sort of a, a cartoon look, which is fine. I think probably with, when you get like the power Rangers and the, the justice league together, you know, cartoony isn't bad, but, and this is no offense to the artist. It just felt like they went with the, the, I have no idea how to make this sound not like an insult, like a discount option, so to speak. Like, I mean, two very popular franchises, especially the fact that Justice League has a movie coming out this year. Power Rangers has a movie coming out this year. Like Tom Taylor, I won't say he's an A-list writer. I I don't necessarily know if he's on the rise, but kind of like a a Gary Dugan type. He's solid. He's reliable. People seem to be checking out his books. Again, nothing against the artists who I have to pull their name up again because I really don't want to sound something. Stephen Byrne. Yeah, Stephen He's probably like an up-and-coming artist. Uh, and I'm not saying they necessarily need to get an A-list, but the art just felt like it was too simple. There's which... there's there's definitely times uh, in this book where I would agree with you. There's some times where the art looks really nice, like when the Power Rangers first teleport uh, to the DC world, I think, is a, is a very nice, very polished page. But then if you go to like the next page where they're fighting Batman, I I would agree that it it doesn't have a a, a great It's not inspired. It's throughout. just like it, it it did the job, but I mean like when we're popping money on these books, like I don't want it to just do the job. I want to be wowed. And I know that the creators are putting a lot of hard work into this. That's why I don't want to be insulting. Um and I'm not expecting them to get freaking Assad Ribic or David Marquez or any of the current hot hot art hot new artists, but but um, yeah, I mean, I just feel like the art. I would have preferred a different artist on the book, a different art style, I should say, um, than what we got. Uh, I will say that I think he did a good job on faces, you know, because mm-hmm. you know, cartoony. I love cartoon cartoony, um, but I felt like his characters actually like you could see consternation in Zach's face. Yeah, you know, which I thought was good, and even like some throwaway pages, like the like the. Um, what was it? The I'm just going back to it. After the that initial page, um, they they show Angel Grove. I think destroyed. Um, not destroyed. Oh, where the heck? Where was it in the issue? Uh, one th- one beginning? thing I'll say real quick. Oh, it's uh, I think I know you're talking about. One one thing I'll say real oh, quick while first page. But you know, no. but say something. Uh, that I do think there's some very solid design work here. We don't get any like original designs. I imagine we'll see probably a a, a giant monster grow at some point. Uh, but I think like the like the Lord Zed looks really good. Um, I think that the Power Rangers costumes look fairly good. Even you know standing next to 
Batman and, and the Flash that there there's there is some solid art in this book. Uh, but what were we gonna say about about Zach Zach's face? Oh no, just just the, the character faces were expressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some of the faraway shots there was not a lot of detail there. Yeah, um, that's, I'm looking at that's... one page where the where they're they're teleporting into Zordon's lair. Mm-hmm. And their faces don't necessarily look good, but some of the closer up shots look good. I also think it's interesting that they focused on Zach in this issue. Not to say that they sh- shouldn't focus on Zach, but I mean, usually you get to like Tommy, Kimberly, and Jason. So it's mm-hmm. nice that, and I don't know if maybe they're planning on like for each issue that like a certain Power Ranger is going to take center center stage, and Zach was the entry point for this. Which maybe that will be the case, but it was kind of refreshing to get to open the issue and be like, oh, you know what? Like Zach wasn't necessarily my favorite growing up. I mean, I was always the leader type, so I liked. Uh, I guess Jason. I wasn't necessarily a leader type, but I enjoy leader type characters. So Jason was my my guy. Yeah, so it was and, nice getting to know Zach. A and bit and more. you you would expect them to to, po- to possibly focus on Tommy, considering you know Tommy is probably the biggest Power Ranger no, of all time, huh? I said, "Ugh, Tommy." Uh, no, Tommy was the best, man. Uh, did you pick up the issue digitally? Or did uh, you, yes. Did you, did. did you? So you saw all the uh, the variant covers that came yes, with it. Yes, I did. I, I actually really enjoyed a number of those. Uh, I thought there were some. I really liked the one with um, uh, Jason and Wonder Woman. Uh, also, not all of the Justice League in this book. I know they're all going to show up in the next one, and of course, you know, superheroes showing up to face superheroes the first thing they're going to do is fight one another uh which we all they're already in the process of fighting because batman's being carried away by the pterodactyl zord well yeah yeah i'm saying like i'm saying in this in this issue superheroes meet up and the first thing they do is is fight one another which every i'm just saying everyone knows my feelings on that and someone pointed out also uh, i think it was on reddit on the last uh page which batman's been taken away by a flying pink dinosaur robot is probably the the best line in this comic and funniest, <laughs> uh, which I, I would have loved to have more moments like that. Uh, but someone asked, how wide are the streets of Gotham? That oh, this, I, I, I saw that too. Yeah, that this giant robot can, can fly down and pick up a car and then fly away. Uh, great question, maybe to be answered in issue two, which you know that I will be following, even if this book is mostly crap, I will be following it through to the bitter end nick you don't have to join me in that it's okay i might not but you know like i said there's something redeeming about this issue that i enjoyed it's almost like sometimes when we're reading like especially like the marvel and dc books even like some of our image books or dark horse books um that like you know we're in it for just sort of like that deep compelling story the thing like we really wanted to get out of final fantasy 15 um you know which sometimes like there's a certain I guess anxiety is kind of like when you're watching Game of Thrones. So I feel like maybe you and I as readers and, 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 and literature consumers, we look for those big, deeper meaning stories that are supposed to like put us on the edge of our seats and have us question everything and be anxious, like what's going to happen to our favorite characters. This is pretty safe, you know? And even if mm. like people do die or whatever might happen or Angel Grove gets totally destroyed, like it doesn't have bearing on anything. Right. I think but as I, long as the execution is entertaining, like it's all in good fun. And I might be tempted to pick up the next issue. I think, uh, the best way to kind of, com- the best thing to kind of compare it to is comfort food, uh, comfort where, food. you know, it's not going to nourish me, but it's going to make my soul feel good. And my bum, my, my belly give a little rumbly. Uh, and with that, we're going to carry ourselves right into our recommendations. 
running a little low on time, so we'll just go ahead and hop quickly uh, into these. Nick, if, if you're ready to go through, I will say mine real quick because I'm all ready to go. And that is, uh, I'm going to recommend another podcast. Uh, not a comics podcast or really necessarily nerdy, but the funniest podcast I've possibly ever listened to. And that is My Dad Wrote a Porno. Uh, it is about a guy, I don't remember his name, but he's a guy in England whose father wrote an erotic novel. And he gets together with two friends and reads a chapter. And they discuss the chapter as he's reading it and just the absurdity of it. Because it's not well written at all. It's terribly, terribly written. Uh, but it is consistently hilarious and makes me laugh out loud every single episode. Uh, and if it, it's it's half an hour per episode so it's nice and easy quick to get through them people should definitely be listening to my dad wrote a porno well i'm going to recommend zach and miri make a porno nope i'm not <laughs> going to do that um i'm going to recommend quantico nope i haven't watched enough episodes i am going to forego a recommendation this week because i'm looking back in the past Ooh. week and i don't think I've like completed anything where I would feel comfortable giving a certified opinion on. So whatever, man, whatever. But that's at least when I do recommend things, David. It's usually comic books, according to our friend Eric. We're not. We're not even gonna get into that right now. Um. So thank you so much, everybody, for joining us this week in this episode. We know you have a lot of uh, options when uh, flying comic book air, but uh, thank you for picking this one. Um, as always, you can find out more about the show by heading on over to heckyeahcomics.com or follow us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics and write us an email, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram at davluz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. And uh, you can find Nick. Oh, man, I got I got nothing good for you on this one. Uh, you can find Nick being Nick at Nick at Nick, Nick, Nick. <clears throat> you can, of course, find this show every week. Same heck yeah time. Same heck yeah channel. Until then, goodbye. Worst episode ever.